you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. The rest of you can be seated today. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here on this Memorial Day weekend. School's out. Parents are rejoicing. Or maybe kids are rejoicing. One way or the other, there's rejoicing in Frankfurt. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'll take your attention to the book of Luke, the 10th chapter, and I'll begin about verse 38. I Wednesday night, I started teaching Wednesday night, and I'm just teaching along, and I'm normally paying attention to the clock as I'm going, so I kind of know about where I'm at on time, and I completely forgot about the clock. I'm just teaching along, and I look up, and we normally get out at 8.30, and uh, no later than 8.30. And uh, so I'm just teaching along. I look up and it's 8.40. Just. And um, so I quickly found an exit ramp and uh, took a swift right and uh, ended. So uh, it was suggested that I bring my phone with me to the platform. So I never do that again. And so I have my phone here on the platform. Um, I don't know what it's supposed to do, but it's here. So uh, I've got my phone. I have my iPad. My phone has a clock running. My iPad has a clock running. And when you look down, Brother Danny put a clock right under the pulpit that you can't even see. And it has the time just flashing, just flashing right in my face. And uh, I got a feeling that some of you may feel in the spirit spirit this morning is, you know, doing the, doing the way. So we'll see. Well, I just got a text message. It's almost, oh, it's lunchtime. Wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you, Brother Kevin Spangler. <laughs> Woo, it's going to be a tough one this morning. And I came with 10 pages of notes in my mind. We better get started. Luke chapter 10, verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that they entered into a certain village. And a certain woman, hmm, certain village, certain woman named Martha received him, Jesus, into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving, 
and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid therefore that she help me. Sounds like all the guys that work at the campus. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. By the help of the Lord for the next little bit, I, I want to speak to you today on the subject, cumbered about with many things. Cumbered about with many things. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have laid upon our heart. I pray today that your word finds its lodging place in our hearts. Speak to us now, God, we pray. Let the inspiration of the Holy Ghost rest upon your messenger and upon the hearts of the hearers today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. 7.5 billion people in the world that needs Jesus. And I think my inspiration for this message was the reality of 7.5 people, 7.5 billion people in the world that need Jesus. And then I began to think about what we are spending all of our time and energies and efforts on. Annette and I spent three and a half years traveling as evangelists. Truly, um, I don't think I was ever called to be an evangelist. It seems that it, for many, um, I've warned my boys against this, but for many, being an evangelist kind of um, becomes a stepping stone for the next level of ministry. And uh, so they travel and look for an open pulpit and practice preaching on churches uh, until doors open. Then there are those that are truly God-called evangelists. I, I was never truly a God-called evangelist. I did at that time what I felt that I needed to do and had to do in order to launch my ministry. My ministry giftings were not those which lend themselves to being an evangelist. That's not necessarily my strong suit and my gifts. Many times I would leave the places that I had been for a week or for two weeks and I would tell my wife, my concern is that when we return, those who had received the Holy Ghost will not still be here. My heart and passion was always in the developing the people and growing of people and my ministry is perhaps more in line with, with that of being a pastor in that I care very deeply about the well-being of the people that God has put under my pastoral leadership. And my preaching style doesn't even fit the protocol of an evangelist. Um, 
I told a friend a few weeks ago that my opportunities to preach out in these days come from two groups of people. It's either my close friends who really want to see my wife and I and know that it's the only way that we will visit them. Or it's someone who had a last-minute cancellation and on the fifth call of trying to find somebody to fill in, they got in touch with me. When I was an evangelist, I'm unsure who was the most miserable in those days, my poor wife who endured my mediocrity, or the good churches and pastors who gave me the opportunity on their platform. But ultimately, I'm okay with all of those things. It was a season for me, and it was a lesson for me. But in the process, I had to learn who I am. And I had to become comfortable with my calling. And I had to become, I had to become okay with the ministry that God had suited and had created me for. So it is important that all of us understand who we are and what our giftings and our callings are, and that we learn to operate in our area of true calling and not just desire. Let's answer the question this morning of our text. First of all, Martha, who who was Martha? Martha was probably a widow and, and... According to what I read in the text, she likely owned the house that she lived in. Her younger brother and her sister lived with her, Lazarus and Mary. She was the older sister. She was in charge of the house. She had a reason to be anxious. She she had a guest in her house, and she cared about the well-being of of her guests. She she wanted her guests to be well taken care of. And how many of you know that's a good thing? Before that any of us become critical of Martha, perhaps we should learn that traveling in the driver's seat is so much different than the passenger seat. A lot of people become critical of those who are in the decision making, but if you're not the one in the driver's seat, you don't understand the pressure. You don't know the traffic. You don't know the vehicle that's being driven. When it's your reputation on the line, you'll care more about how your guests are being treated. It seems that priorities change when it's your baby or somebody else's baby. When it's your wife, I would tell her what I think about it. But when it's mine, when it's my kid, when it's your kid, I wouldn't put up with it. But when it's mine, oh, ain't nobody going to help me preach this morning. 
Martha's response, I believe, was normal as the eldest and the hostess. She was concerned about her guests. She was the one with the responsibility of everything. She felt the weight of the world on her. She felt the pressure of everything upon her. Our, our, our text isn't the first time that she acted like this. Notice her actions that are recorded in John the 11th chapter Verses 19 and 20 gives us the story of when Lazarus died. The Bible said, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Listen to Martha's reactions just before Jesus' crucifixion. Then Jesus, six days after the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served. She was always concerned about serving. Let's not be too critical of Martha. She was a doer. She got things done. Her priority in life was serving and taking care of what she had been given responsibility over, her house. Now there's a second person that is in this text and in this story. And that person's name is Mary. Mary was the younger sister of Martha. So the question at hand, of course, is the complaint of Martha regarding Mary. Why isn't she helping? Let's read the account again. Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the, of the ointment. What? A beautiful and incredible picture of worship. But Martha became upset because Mary is at the feet of Jesus while she is taking care of preparing dinner. She comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to rebuke Mary for not helping. Jesus responded, Martha, thou art a careful woman. You're detailed, Martha. You pay a lot of attention to all of the details and the intricate parts. Thou art careful and you're troubled about many things. But one thing 
Martha, one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that one thing. It's the good part. And no, Martha, no matter how much you complain, I'm not going to take that away from her. Sometimes people see Martha as practical and Mary as spiritual. Now, I've laid a little bit of a groundwork here. We're going to go somewhere in a second if you'll stay with me. Many people see Martha as practical and Mary as spiritual. And since Jesus favors Mary, they think that spiritual must trump practical every time. I'm about to shatter some of your theology today. That's a tidbit of oversimplification to think that because Jesus said Mary chose the good part and he favored her and he wouldn't take that part away from her, that Jesus is saying to Martha, everything you're doing is not important. But only what Mary's doing is important. But that's way oversimplified. What about when the practical things are the spiritual things? Mm. Contemplate it. Maybe it is the practical that really has the most spiritual influence and effect. It's not always the Sunday night shout. Sometimes it's the choir rehearsal that is getting ready to lead us and usher us into the presence of the Lord. Because you can't get to Sunday night until you get past Sunday afternoon. It's like people, somebody thinking, well, all that really matters is a preacher with a good voice and knows how to communicate and can get up and say a few things and captivate the crowd and audience for a few moments. But that's not where the anointing began. That's where the anointing is displayed. But the anointing begins in a prayer room. And at a study desk. And at times of reading and contemplation and study and preparation. This message that I deliver to you over about a 40 or 45 minute period of time wasn't created in 40 to 45 minutes. Six or eight hours of study and preparation and compilation all comes together with 50 years of living in life in and around the church. 30 years, 31 years of ministry. 15 years of pastoral ministry here. There's a lot that has gone in to this message that I'm delivering. It didn't begin at the moment I took the pulpit. It doesn't begin 
The, the, the moving of God in the service doesn't begin because we get the music just right or sing the right song or have the right evangelist. The moving of the Spirit follows a process of living that leads you to the point of your spiritual breakthroughs. I'm saying some good things to you right now. You want God to work in your family, work in your home, change the environment of your home. No, pastor, I want you to pray a prayer. I want you to come into my home. I want you to bring some oil. I want you to go through and anoint everything in my house. When you walk out the door, the place is going to be different. It may happen like that once in a while, but most of the time, you're going to have to go through and clean your house. You're going to have to take some things and make a decision with your family. We're not going to talk about this in our home. We're going to throw this out of the house. We're going to get this out of our life. We're going to put this behind us. We're going to begin to change the environment. After a while, the whole environment of the home begins to feel different. It doesn't happen overnight. Mary, just because you showed up to church doesn't mean the Holy Ghost is going to fall. It takes a Martha that does the preparation, that cleans the building, that prepares the the songs, that leads the worship, that does all of the behind the scenes things. We must have a Martha. After all, hospitality is a big deal. In the scripture. And here Martha is hosting Jesus and his disciples. That's a really big deal. If you were preparing a meal for Jesus. Would you not even consider it spiritual work? The word for serving. In verse 40. Is the same Greek word from which we get our word deacon. Hmm. which means servant. It's, it's, it's a godly thing to serve. So much so that the early church created an office of servants or deacons to meet the needs of the widows and the things in the church. In Matthew 20 and Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm not coming to be served, but I'm coming to, to be the servant. So what's wrong with Martha serving? The only thing that I can find with, in this text that begins to jump out of me, out at me is there is a little clue here There's a word that keeps coming to my mind and that word is distracted. If we are not careful, our serving can become a distraction. I believe this is what Jesus is saying to Martha. Martha, you're you're serving is a good thing. He didn't rebuke her for serving. Our serving can be a good thing. 
until it reaches the point of being a distraction. Martha was distracted by many things. Our text used the word cumbered about. Or our modern phrase for that, or modern term for that would be encumbered. Martha was encumbered about many things. The Greek word, the Greek word for that is used here suggests that Martha was dragging things around. I hope this wasn't your closing song. Martha was dragging things around. She was, she was encumbered. I don't know if that's supposed to be there. She's, she's encumbered about. What are you doing, Martha? Jesus is coming to the house. Martha, it's got to be. What you doing, Martha? I'm, I'm, I'm doing. I'm working for the kingdom. Have I made my point? We're so busy with so many things. The Greek word leads and suggests that we are overloaded with baggage. Maybe what Jesus is saying is, Martha, you are distracted by your serving. And it's stressing you out. No, oh, ain't nobody going to help me preach now. I've been there. Some days I live there. There's so much to do and it's all important. And you know, you're never going to get it all done. So it becomes overwhelming. And Jesus says, why do you worry about so many things? 
There's only one thing that really matters. T.F. Tenney wrote a book, became very famous, keeping the main thing, the main thing. CLC, I want to remind you that if we are not careful, we will get distracted with so many things. All the while, there's one thing that really matters. Both Mary and Martha were doing good things. The issue is not choosing good over evil. This is not what I'm preaching to you about today. I hope most of you have it figured out. And and, and you don't need any help in choosing good over evil. But the issue is choosing good over the best. If we're not careful, we'll spend all of our energy encumbered about with much serving. I shared with our leadership team Monday that if we are not careful, we will allow the pursuit of perfection to prevent progress. I'm all about, I'm all about excellence. The pursuit of excellence is gratifying and it's healthy. The pursuit of of perfection, however, is frustrating, psychotic, and is a terrible waste of progress. Did you get that? We've all read the story. We know the sisters Mary and Martha well. We've even answered the questions. Will Cindy and Paula argue over who's Mary and who's Martha? They're always together. They're both at Milky Way. (laughs) Cindy cooks a couple times a generation. And... Well, she hasn't invited me over. I got the microphone. I can say that, right? So, by the way, when was the last time I was invited to your house for you? I should take this for another day. (laughs) Mary and Martha, who are you? And we argue over who we are. The truth is within us, we have the potential to be both. But we need to reevaluate our priorities. There are some people that are so spiritually minded, they are no earthly good. But there are some people that are so earthly minded that they wouldn't recognize the Spirit of God in a lifetime. And the fact is, is that we are called to be both. We are called to serve. And we are called to be a Mary. 
We must be about the master's business in all areas of our life. Martha was in the kitchen frustrated with her sister who was sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha's head was full of thoughts of hosting Jesus and his friends. Making sure they are served in grand fashion. Martha became encumbered about with much serving. The struggle in our text is between doing and being. I'm about to tell you some good things today. The struggle here is between doing and being. The issue of salvation is that doing will never save you. Being will save you. But you cannot please God without doing. That's why we've got to be a child of God. But you've got to be a doer of the word. We live. This, this is a, there is a huge struggle between doing and being. And the reason is, is we live. By doing. The Bible even says a man that won't work won't, won't eat. We live by doing. This is why we have trouble being. Mary has chosen wisely. She has chosen the good part. This should not be used to conclude that serving is not necessary. But rather the point is, is that we must purpose to set aside time to sit at the feet of Jesus and not be consumed with doing. In a recent seminar that I attended online a, a few weeks ago, the statement was made, if you were too busy to prioritize, you will always be. you got to stop. You got to pause. You have to reflect. We must set time aside. If you are too busy to pray, you're never going to get unbusy. That's why it's important that we put our priority as prayer comes first, everything else comes afterward. Watch, we were created to live in a Mary's world. With Martha moments. But because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, we are forced to live in a Martha's world and we fight for Mary moments. The world is in reverse. This is why it's chaotic, because God did not build us this way. This is why the scripture, I can support this message. Over and over again in the scripture. That's why the scripture says, seek ye first. The kingdom. All the other, what? Things will be added to you. We live in a world which glorifies doing over being. What have you accomplished today? They never ask you, what have you been today? It is part of the curse after the fall. Nothing is as easy as it was intended to be. Our work, our relationships, and our lives require constant maintenance. 
We are forced, every one of us, from the platform to the pew, we are forced to fight the flesh for merry moments because we're living in a Martha's world. But it is worth fighting for. That's why the Apostle Paul said, the things that I would do, that's what I end up not doing. And the things that I say I would not do, that's the very thing that I would do. The whole reason is, is because we're in a Martha's world that glorifies and mandates doing while God is saying, I'm calling you to be. This is the good part. Mary chose the good part. Serving is temporary, but time with Jesus will change your destiny. A meal is temporary, but Jesus is the gift that lasts forever. We live in a Martha's world, and we're troubled by it, and we're anxious because of it, and we're distracted in the middle of it. God created us to worship. And when we get the relationship with God right, with worship, prayer, and communication with God, all of our doing will be way more productive. The rhythm of our life should be Mary first and then Martha. But I fear that even in the church, we are Martha first. And we find tidbits of time to sit around the feet of Jesus. We need to learn to worship like Mary and work like Martha. There has to be a balance in your life because you have the potential to be either one. I'm closing this morning. We need Mary's heart and Martha's hands. Mary was all heart. Martha was all hands. Somewhere in the middle we need to strike a balance of having Mary's heart and Martha's hands. We're in a church that's on the move. Things are advancing. Things are looking up. Brother Brandon mentioned this morning, we're just a few weeks away from moving into our new building. We had an incredible group show up yesterday. Nearly 30 people, or about 30 people that showed up to work day yesterday. Major progress made. We are coming down to the details and, 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 and finishing things up. Things are happening in a positive way. God has opened the door for many, many Things we are, we have enacted an evangelism uh, team that is getting ready to bring some things to this congregation over the next few weeks. There are some amazing things that are going to be happening over the next four or five or six months, and the church is moving forward. God is blessing the church. The church may not be 100% the way any of us would like it to be. I'll speak for myself. The church is not 100% the way I would like to see the church be. None of us are ever going to be 100% satisfied with everything the church is and what the church is becoming. Thing, but things are progressing and we are moving forward. I, I, I have to get on myself sometimes because... I always want to see things move more quickly than what they, they move. And I, I'm, I'm prone to the discouragement because of that. But 
but I think that this church and the work and the mission of this church is ordered of the Lord. I believe God is taking this church down an ordered path that he wants us on and he's lining up the times and the seasons for us in an unbelievable way and in the middle of everything that we are doing the enemy would like to come in and create distractions and cause us to become distracted with one thing or the other but I'm calling us back into balance this morning to understand the devil is a liar and the father of lies he is the source of distraction and what God means for good he'll try to use for evil but I rebuke that today and declare in the name of the Lord that we're going to work like Martha and we're going to pray and worship like Mary we're going to be stronger because we're going to stay together we're going to see this thing through we're going to hear him say well done and I tell you this morning that revival is imminent upon the church Church. It is here. It is now. It is not coming. We are living in the day of revival. There's going to be some things that transpire in the next four or five months. Stand with me if you would. There are going to be some things that transpire in the next four or five months that is going to be mind-blowing for all of us. God has opened doors locally and beyond there's so many incredible things that I could share with you that God is doing we have so much work to do don't ever be caught up in the whole concept well well, I'm a Mary everybody else can be a Martha and don't get caught up in well, I'm just the worker and everybody else can be the worshiper and everybody else can pray and everybody else can seek God because God is calling us to keep balance in our life. Perhaps today we need to reevaluate our priorities. God, I don't want to be distracted by so much serving. Help me to always seek first the kingdom of God. Let me keep my priorities in order. Let me ask you this morning, church, what things are really important to you? If the church would fall in love with souls... And we would value the saving of a lost soul higher than a feel-good service. Higher than the saving of a soul. We would value it higher than the miracle of the withered hand or any physical healing that God could bring into your life. Could we reach the point that we would rejoice like the angels in heaven over one sinner that repents. And when the waters of baptism is stirred and when people are filled with the Holy Ghost, it would be the greatest time of rejoicing for the church. What's really important to us? What are really our priorities? Do we 
value the lost over pleasure? Do we value the work of the kingdom of God over the desires of ourself? What are our priorities? What are we putting ahead? Because truly, whatever your priorities are is what you live out in your life. You live out your priorities. Hand me your bank statement. I'll tell you what's most important to you. It's the things that you prioritize. What comes first out of the paycheck. What you give to first. What you work for first. Over the course of life, what new priorities have snuck in unnoticed and taken over our life? What emotions rule us? Ultimately, what are we encumbered about? What are we under the load of? Are we passionate about the work and the labor and frustrated that others aren't? Or in, are we in the presence of God and longing for others to join us in the most important thing that we could do and that's seek the face of the Lord I'm going to open these altars this morning I know this is a little unusual for us on Sunday morning but I open these altars today and I call the church would there be some in the room today that would reevaluate your priorities and would say, Pastor, I, I'm going to step out and be one of the first today to declare I, I need God to help me. God, give me Martha's hands and Mary's heart. Help me today, God, to, to be and to do. These altars are open this morning. Thank, thank you for responding. There's room for everyone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. church let's turn this place into a prayer room today would you do that let's just turn this house into a prayer room for a few moments what 